Hi, this is Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today is January 25th of 2022 and this is Q&A number 76 for my virtual coaching group. I would like to welcome new member Aaron from Florida. I'd also like to talk about a little bit of what went on last week and then I'll go right into Q&A and the topic for the day. Uh, last week, I had a few challenges for y'all, and this week as well. Um, last week, it was the uh, warming up drill of circles and rollbacks. That is so important. Nothing's more important with barrel horses than one that can do perfect circles and use their hind end correctly, and rollbacks will definitely help them with that. And the rollbacks should certainly come from elevating the front end, setting on their hind pivot foot, and following their nose as they come around. But the main cue is from your hip and your legs with a light guiding hand. Um, this week, I suggested doing the up-down warm-up drill. I love that one because a lot of times riders forget to use their body and their hands together, and it teaches give and take of the hand and the body when you're sitting up for a quarter turn, it teaches them to reach with their shoulders. When you're sitting down for a quarter turn, your hand comes back with your body and it teaches them to set the pivot foot off your rein hand and your hip. And then again, another quarter turn, you're back up again, your hands forward. And of course, you'll be using your eyes for looking between their ears and quarter turns and your legs as needed for impulsion or shaping. But it's a wonderful drill to do at a walk and a trot in five to ten foot circles and um, shaping up and down every quarter turn for the reach and the set. So I hope you take advantage of that. There's videos for all of those in the group for the mental game. Um, I would like you to take a look at your one month goals and really kind of evaluate where you're at um, with that. I also, that was last week. Um, you know, some of us need a do over for January. I know for me, January didn't go as good as I'd hoped. One week, my colt was lame because the farrier trimmed him just a hair too short. So I couldn't ride him one week. Um, the next week, my mare decided to spook of a flying squirrel in 17 years. I've owned her. I've never come off of her, but I did that day walking. And let me tell you, my old bones do not like hitting the ground anymore. So with a bruised ego and tailbone, I got back on her and been fine since. But I did go and haul my horses, thank goodness, last week on a beautiful weather day here in Florida to a practice arena and actually loped the barrels for the first time in probably a year and a half, two or so with Briscoe. And of course, got rocky in the new arena, but it was deep sand. So both of them, including myself, felt a little bit overwhelmed in that deep ground. But after my clay sand pin for so long, and uh, anyways, but it was still my a goal. It was a, a goal for me to get them out and, and lope the barrels again. And it definitely feels different. You know, you feel like you're, you know, I know what I was at when I was at my best, you know, in my 30s and 40s and, you know, clocking in top, top divisions and such. And I know how I felt. And now with this injured hip, I know that I don't feel the same. And I'm learning how to ride with that pain and that compensation. And it's an adjustment. And I know Rocky doesn't know any better because he's only known me this way. But Bell does. I mean, Briscoe does. So Briscoe's probably can feel it in the turns as much as I can to the left. And she's kind of swishing her tail and funny with her leads, kind of like, what are you doing up there? So I'm sure we will come together and, and I'm going to keep working at it one day at a time and see how it goes. But hopefully with um, 
continued work at it, it will get better. So I just have to work in my new, new normal. So isn't that like the new slogan since 2020, everybody had to pivot and have new normals on so many different levels. So anyhow, as we're in 2022, some of you might want a do-over for January and that's okay. At any point in time, your goals get sidetracked. You can always start over. Some of you in the group are in snow states and your goals won't even start till spring. And that's okay too. Meanwhile, though, you can do other things to improve yourself, like listen to podcasts and work out and do things with your horses in the barn, like stretching and and, um, teach them some ground cues and stuff like that. There's always something we can do to work on improving and get our quality time in with our horses through connection and bonding. Um, So anyhow, I did for this week's mindset uh, was the full circle. I wanted you to write down the 10 things that takes you to win. I did a podcast on it. Um, and it's about, I think it's like a 15 minute podcast. So be sure to listen to it. Um, everything's on there from discipline, you know, being disciplined. And I think for me on my, um, chart, that was one of the biggest things. The other one was your mental game, being positive and confident and consistent. And I also think it's important to have a goal, um, you know, per ride, have one goal per each ride and one goal per each run. And that way you're not overthinking it. You're not trying too hard to do five or 10 things, but just having one goal for each ride and one and each run is a really important thing. Um, there are, you know, 10 things on my list and your list might be slightly different, but um, a nutrition Uh, journaling about your runs and keeping your horse records, Uh, motivation, you know, your dreams. Uh, Motivation to me was smaller because we can get motivated for a few days and then life happens and we get unmotivated. So to me, the biggest thing is discipline, you know, working out and riding and and doing, you know, when you run a business, you got to do it on the days you don't want to do it, right? You got to do, you got to just be disciplined and work at it all the time, you know, everything in life. But I do feel like the The purpose of the chart, the circle is for balance because I think in life we have to have balance. I think in barrel racing, we have to have balance. If something's missing, it's not going to work. So it's important that you know that. And it can be equipment, education, a connection, um, extra care. So those are my 10 things. So listen to that podcast and I think that will be helpful for you and draw your own chart. I put a picture of my chart in the group and yours could be the same or it could vary from that. Whatever you think is your most important thing. So that was what the challenges were for last week and this week. Um, I did post some videos in the group Um, this week. uh, I'll be doing today. I did about how important tying is to a patient's poll for respect for horses and patients and having a job, you know, ethic, because if you think about it, they're pretty lucky 23 hours a day, they get to do what they want. And one hour a day, they work if that, right? So, and that's if they're ridden regularly or, or, you know, some, most people don't ride seven days a week, maybe four or five days a week. So they've got it pretty easy. So maybe when you're working another horse or doing chores, you can tie your horse up to teach them patience, especially the young ones. They need it. It really does help them. Um, And of course, last week I did some on um, uh, the groundwork on where to put your cinch and saddle placement and the two fingers from the shoulder to the girth. Um, I also did, um, I think there was a video on hand cues in there, um, the running home um, from third barrel, 
uh, your mental game. So be sure you're watching those. I'm going to do some more this week uh, for, you know, every day I do a little something different. So just to always be helping people learn. Um, but I do think it's really important as I go into today talking about, um, one thing I forgot to mention part two of the hands in competition. I'll mention that today uh, you know, the flat knuckle versus the thumbs up and the turns. And I'm going to explain that a little bit more. Um, and then also, uh, you know, having that one goal per ride or per run. But today I'm going to talk about why your foundation is important on your horse, um, and how it. Uh, muscle memory is improved with speed by having that solid foundation on your horse's basics um, with your rider's cues and and how they apply together form to function. So, um, but as far as shout outs this week goes, we had about 13 riders send me videos so far. I mean, it's only Tuesday. And um, there were some really good ones out there. Some of you went to the MBHA 6 and it was probably the coldest day of the year for Florida, the coldest, I think, in four years. And y'all went barrel racing. You're brave. So I stayed inside with the heater. <laughs> so anyhow, um, Saturday was pretty cold. So for those of you that went, good for you. Um, and uh, anyway, some of you did really good. Um, we're proud of yourselves. So remember to send me if you have a personal best. I think I have 12 or 13 for the month of January. I know a lot of you aren't competing if you're in the snowy states and the weather and all that. Um, but those of you in the warmer states in the south, uh, make sure you let me know about your personal best and all of that. So I'm going to go ahead and go right into questions. Um, the first question was about shouldering barrels and dropping the shoulder, diving in and swinging their hind end. And again, this all goes back to your foundation. If you're doing too much pattern work or competing and you're not going back to basics during the week, you really have to evaluate that. Or if you put barrels in front of foundation or in front of basics, that could be a problem too. And it also can be a, a horse that's gone from maybe their novice year to their open year and they're just becoming more radiant, having more anticipation, and you need to go back and show them that that's not okay. So for an issue like that, you really need to go back to foundation. You need to make sure you've got face on them laterally and vertically. You've got to make sure that you can do fluid circles around a barrel, um, that you can do extended and collected strides off your body in straight lines and circles at all different sizes and speeds. Um, so they'll have smooth transitions where they rate and shorten their stride and break in the pole vertically, shorten their stride, shift their weight to their hindquarters, and then allow you to, to do that collected straight line or that collected circle and um, using their hind end off of your body and your legs and your hands backing it up, but mainly from your body. Um, and you have to learn as a rider to have that impulsion of how to use your seat and hands and legs together to get collection and ride the hind end of your horse. And that is really important when you're working your circles and around a barrel that you ride front and back feet to the uh, quarter turns and you know don't let a horse that wants to cut you off ever turn a barrel at their shoulder ride their hind end maybe keep five foot circles at all times where the front and back feet are always on the same track and you have some collection as well as um, lateral flexion with your vertical collection it's important. So um, you can do drills like all lefts, all rights, single barrel, the D pattern, in and outs on the pattern, um, true turns with circles, 
you know, do a couple circles first, perfect five or 10 foot circles, and then finish with a true turn, like five, five, three at spot one and two, you'll keep five feet, but at spot three, you'll finish with your inside hip. So that way they learn if your hips are square and you're riding your quarter turns, they stay in a circle, getting those front and back feet to each quarter turn, spots one, two, and three, and only finish tight when your inside hip says it's okay. Um, so circles and true turns are important. In and outs are important. You can trot or lope or even walk, you know, like 10 foot circles going in on the backside with the nose in, shoulder up and out, ribs out, hip in and keeping fluidity at spot one and two and then finish tight at spot three. And again, can be done at walk, trot and lope. Um, of course, I wouldn't compete that way. Competition, I prefer straighter longer to keep them square and only um, soften and shape in the turns as needed, but not before the turns because it causes more lateral anticipation. Um, so, but in and outs are a great training tool. Um, to keep a horse focused on you and thinking move away from a barrel instead of dive in and also think about elevating the shoulder and using the hind quarters. So I hope that answers that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, first, someone asked me if I could, if they could only join my group and um, if they're only in Facebook. And I know some people don't do Facebook. So no, that's not true. I can do one-on-one -on -one coaching through email and text messages too. So if you don't prefer to be in the group on Facebook, you can certainly send me videos and um, I can do your slow motion critiques through an email or a text message and you still have access to the members only website that has over 150 training videos. You'll still get my emails of all my program for foundation and competition and training book. Uh, and tips all all via uh, email and a website so you never have to go on Facebook. And I realize not everybody likes Facebook or Messenger, but majority of barrel racers do because that's where they go to find out what, you know, shows are coming up, what rodeos and super shows and such, jackpots. So I hope that answers that question. Next question is um, about uh, motivation and discipline. It's actually more of a comment that was made last week at someone we were talking about different styles and different programs that are out there. One of my lesson clients and um, they were also talking about, you know, staying motivated and stuff. And I said, you know, I really think to be successful, it's more about discipline. And that's what made me think about that chart. And that's what made me do it because, um, you know, there's just days you're not feeling it, right? You're just not feeling it, but you got to be disciplined and ride when it's cold, ride when it's hot, ride when you don't feel like riding, ride after a busy long day. You just have to get those rides in so that you'll be successful in competition on the weekends. So that's just discipline to me is really important. The next question, my horse overbends into the barrels and floats away in the turns. Okay, so the answer for that's going to be more outside leg and balance rein. Um, you may have to uh, keep them square longer and separate rate and turn. So when you're sitting for rate, keep two hands and keep that horse squared up. And um, you may use outside leg to help them. Um, you'll use less inside rein. Um, and just keep your hands very, very even. Um, you might use a little inside leg to soften the rib going in, but you'll probably use a lot of outside leg and balance rein on that horse. And you may not go to the horn until you're on the back side of the barrel, spot two, um, or, or after you clear spot one, and certainly with give and take pressure. Because those of you that grab a hold of that inside rein on a horse like that, that rubber necks and butt swings, 
um, what's happening is their nose and neck follow your hand when you pull, but their shoulder and hip float away from you. So that's why you don't want to pull on your reins, but yet use more body and leg on that kind of horse, especially. So that's what I would do there. Um, you can work squares on and off the pattern to help that kind of horse to stay more square. You can watch what kind of bit you have on that horse, one that's a more of a stiff style than um, a, horse, a bit that bends a horse, you know, um, that can help. Um, but a lot of it can be rider cues, you know, using even hands, balance rein, not pulling on the outside rein, not causing them to counter arc, um, but keeping even pressure and also give and take pressure and using your body and leg more to ride your horses through the turns. Um, that can help a lot too. So if your horse is not using the butt, I already answered that question. So that's a duplicate um, question. The next one was the same thing. Again, transitions are super important for that collection. So I like to go from a post trot to a jog um, and really feel them not only shorten their stride and shift their weight to their hind end, they need to break in the pole and lift that top line. So four things really need to happen for a horse to have true collection. And it needs to be off light aids, your seat, your hands, and your legs together. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this next question was about, is there, you know, one way to do that, to do barrel racing training correctly? And no, there isn't. Um, there's many styles and programs out there. You know, think of it as like 31 flavors ice cream. Um, you know, there, there's a reason why um, there's so many restaurants or, or things out there for people to do hobbies because everybody likes things a little bit different. And, and that can be down to how you train a horse, how you run the barrels, supplements, your saddles, your bits, even the pair of boots you like. Everybody has um, certain things that they like. Um, I wouldn't say there's right or wrong except for what's working. Um, to me, wrong would be if it was abusive or dangerous. Um, I would not want that. But I can tell you from 29 years of as a professional doing this, um, in the early 90s, I rode with people like uh, Kelly Yates and Kelly Conrado, um, Ed Wright, uh, Martha Josie, uh, just a lot of, um, you know, uh, Marlene Edelman, just NFR qualifiers, uh, futurity champions, um, trainers, trainers um, over the years, you know, Charmaine, different, different people. And I can tell you from every person I ever met, whether it was in a private lesson or a clinic or whatever, um, there was bits and pieces I would say, ooh, that's too much. Ooh, I don't like that. Or, oh, I like that. I'm going to add that. And so when you're making your own program, you can um, find what you like and what you dislike and add that to your own program. Um, some things you're going to be like, I could never ride behind that person if I had to. I don't ride that way. I don't want to ride that way. So it's more of a personal thing. Like I said, 31 flavor ice cream. Some people get vanilla. Some people get Rocky Road, whatever your flavor is. So again, if it's not abusive or dangerous, um, it's just going to be their own flair their own art their own program everybody has a little bit more what they like um, same with bits certain people like certain bits and and I really think that comes down to what a horse is comfortable in what a horse is a rider is comfortable in your hands and how it feels with you and your horse so I'm going to go ahead and go into the topic for the day. Um, and as I mentioned, I, on as a part two for hands, I kind of forgot to mention that, um, in the turns, 
when I'm going between the barrels, I do like my thumbs up. I like to have two hands on the reins, especially with young horses. My open horses, I might ride one-handed, but my, my young horses or free runners, I want to be two-handed. So if I need to do a two-hand check to help them raid or get on their butt or keep their lines straight, I'm already positioned to do that. And I'm there to help them if they need it um, or lightly guide them if they don't. But then there's a point, I don't want to drop to flat knuckles, drop my hand, drop my shoulder before I get to the barrel any more than I want to lift and cross my withers or pull down across the barrel or down to my thigh or any of that before I get to spot one either because all those things will cause anticipation in a horse and cause a horse to drop in and turn on you too. Just as much as pulling too hard on the outside rein, going to a barrel will cause them to counter arc and drop their shoulder and swing their hind end too. You don't want to do that. You want to keep your hands even. You want to keep your horse balanced between your hands and your hips and your shoulders and your legs. Smooth is the best. The smoother a rider rides, the better. And that's key. Now in the turn, I might have a horse that I, I may have just guided him into spot one or maybe I checked him. But once I get in the turn, if a horse is really working and I don't want to touch him and I want to look and ride to spot two and three, I might put my hand forward a little bit on their mane and, and maybe in my six inch box, put it two or three inches forward and go flat knuckle because I really don't want to touch them. I've got pictures where I have like one or two fingers on the reins because I'm trying to trust my horse and let them work. And then at the very end of the circle, I might like spot three when I'm leaving the barrel. Um, I might go ahead and bend my elbow again and pick my thumb back up, you know, go thumbs up again. And, and that's just so we can snap out and I can guide them out. Um, instead of locking my elbow, which may, and I've done that in videos where I'm not trying to touch them or pictures at the exit when I should have bent my elbow, I kept my elbows locked and that can delay a snap out by doing that. But sometimes when you're trying so hard not to touch them, you'll forget to then soften and help them finish. So, you know, it's, it's hard to be perfect when you've got your adrenaline and you're running full blast, that's why slow work is so important. And that's why walking and trotting foundation, drills, dry work, barrels, until it's super solid with you that you just do it on reflex, like brushing your teeth or brushing your hair. So, so keep that in mind as well. Um, as far as cues go, you know, when you're riding with those hand cues, because hands are probably one of the hardest things for riders to master after they're good at looking and riding to their spots and using their body and leg hands can really be a timing and position thing for riders they really have trouble with that so speaking of um, foundation training and horses basics and how your rider cues apply to it um, I really truly believe that good horses are made by some time put into them and great horses are made by lots of time put into them. Now, mind you, there are some horses that are great and they just are naturals. And then there's horses that are late bloomers that are good and they become great in time. But I do feel like nothing replaces time in the saddle that you spend with your horse and nothing replaces a solid foundation. There's some of you competing right now that really need to take a break from competing and just go back to foundation. If you're struggling and hitting barrels, and um, going by barrels or any any bad habits and you've ruled out pain it may be a real good time for a break from competition and go back and and do pasture rides trail rides and arena work to get those horses refocused on being correct and listening to you and and freshen them up so um 
you know, it begins on the ground though, you guys, it really does. Um, TLC is based on love. It's based on communication of cues, um, trust and respect, and you have to establish all of this on the ground. You know, if you start a cult under saddle, you should never have to buck them out. You know, I'm in, I was 50 when I started Rocky under saddle, 50 something, I'm 55 now. And he's been under saddle a couple of years. So 52, three, um, somewhere in there, you know, that I started skitting on him for a few minutes. I didn't do it all at once. You know, I, I, I didn't even start him till he was three because of his size and starting life. And then I only did like 30 days on him, turned him back out. And, um, and then four years old, I did more and five years old, I did more. Um, so, so that's where we are now, but, um, the key, they'll never have to buck them out if you establish things correctly on the ground. So what I mean by that is the desensitizing, the same cues that you'll use in the saddle on the ground. Get your horses where they're not afraid of any of the tools you're going to use. Get them where they can ground drive. Um, you know, if you prepare them with your saddle by ponying them and, and you know, just getting above them, sitting on fences or on mounting blocks and and, you know, doing things over their head with whips and slickers and such and, you know, ground driving them, get some used to steering and ropes and reins and stuff, tapping them on the side and stirrups and all that. Get them really good at everything on the ground. They'll never buck with you in the saddle or bolt with you because you've established cues. You can establish from the ground face flexing laterally and vertically. You can establish moving their hindquarters and their front end all off of pressure of energy or light pressure. Um, you can get them to whoa off body and voice. Um, backing, uh, like I, I mentioned, uh, putting their head down or left, right, um, etc. So, so many things. Um, you can get them knowing what walk, trot, and lope is on a lunge line. Um, how to pick up their leads by doing it in the round pin or a lunge line as well. So you can already have control of five body parts and their mind and their feet before you ever swing a leg over. And so then when you do, it's not so scary to them. And they're like, oh, that's the same thing you do on the ground, but now you're on my back. So those are really important things. And even if you have an open horse and you don't feel like riding that day, go back and do some groundwork with them and be surprised how nice it is to just do a refresher on the ground once a week with groundwork. And you can desensitize too, especially if you have a flightier or spookier horse. That's a good thing. Um, so then once you get in the saddle, those basics you need to apply. So, so many riders come and they do not know how to use their hands correctly, as I mentioned, with give and take pressure in clinics or lessons. So they don't really know how to face flex a horse laterally in a, a standstill, walking, trotting, or loping, nor do they do it vertically, breaking in the pole. And again, it should be done and taught at a standstill, walk, trot, and lope. And it could take 30 days for lateral and 60 days for vertical. Um, and I mean rides, not actual days. Um, and then, of course, we want to be able to have um, hip control. Can I move the hip in, hip out off of my leg pressure at a standstill walk, trot, and lope? Can I put the shoulder and rib cage in or out based on, um, you know, light leg cues? Um Will they woe off the body at a one rein stop or loose rein, you know, before I do any two rein stops? Um, can I can I do a loose rein stop at a walk, trot, lope? I, I should be able to because the reason why I want a loose rein stop is because when I run to a barrel and sit down, they know to back off 
And if I put my legs on, they know to keep going, but to collect, if I take my legs off and say, well, they know to stop, there's a difference. So I want them to understand the difference, uh, as well as vertical face flexing from backing up, you know, because if I want them to just flex their face in a standstill, my legs will be off and I'll say, whoa, if I want them to back and um, laterally, I'm excuse me, vertically face flex, I'm going to add my leg and clucking and sit deep. Um, so all those things make a difference and everything should be done with give and take pressure. So, so anyhow, um, you know, backing straight lines, circles, transitions off my body from collected to extended at a walk, trot, and lope, straight lines and circles, all sizes, picking up leads. All those are really important things from a light cue. Do you have to trot a long ways before you can get a lope on the correct lead? Can you go from a walk to a lope? You know, lazier horses, it's going to be harder. More um, sensitive horses, a little easier. Can you do counter arc, counter bending? So I like to be able to do three different kinds of circles. A lateral circle or counter bending, counter arcing circle, and a vertical circle. Um, can I do rollbacks, side passing? Those are super important too. Side pass comes in handy to open and close gates. Um, Rollbacking is very helpful to get a horse to elevate the front end and use their pivot foot and hind end better, especially if you teach them to follow their nose as they do a rollback. Um, that's the same feel you'd want in a barrel turn as well. Um, the ability to be able to walk, trot, and lope on a loose rein, that's important. My horse isn't running off with me, but stays in the speed and the direction that I ask them until otherwise. And that can be taught from the ground on a lunge line before you ever do it in the saddle. Um, can they do simple lead changes in figure eights or maybe even flying lead changes and know their go rate and turn cues? Um, and I don't want to ride a stiff horse, like stiff as a board. I want a horse that's soft and supple. Uh, a lot of people sell horses and say they're broke, broke, broke. And then my clients that have been with me and know what a soft and bendy and flexy horse feels like go to try these horses and they're like, oh, it was stiff as a board. And they said it was broke. But what, what, what is broke to one person is not broke to another. So those are important things to keep in mind. Um, I think first and foremost, when teaching a horse, you've got to have your basics. Each horse is an individual and they should be respected at that. Um, you can't say exactly one pound of rein pressure with one pound of leg pressure is what each horse is going to need. Some horses will need less rein, more leg. Others will need less leg. Um, you know, they're all going to be a little different. Some are stiff, some overbend, um, some are hyper or sensitive, some are laid back. Um, you're going to have to customize based on each horse. Your principles and theories should never change as far as setting a horse up for a yes answer. They can't get hurt. You can't get hurt. Quitting on a try. Um, building your lesson plan in small steps and, um, you know, like A through Z and not going on to the next step until the current step is accurate and correct. Um you know, those are all really important things. Your timing, though, and your technique could change. Um, that's always going to change based on the individual horse that you're working with um, and what exercises you're doing with them. But you must have solid rider cues in order to have the ability to teach a horse a solid foundation. They go together. So a lot of times I tease and say green on green makes black and blue. And um, a green horse and a green rider can often spell trouble unless they get into regular lessons or training in lessons. Um, 
So it just takes longer too. You can't expect um, a person learning with a horse learning to go as fast as a person learning on a horse that knows their job or a person that knows their job with a horse that's learning. It's just not apples to apples. So that is really important to think about as well. Um, my principles are really important that you bond with your horse. It has to be based on that connection of love, trust, and respect. My theories are basically horsemanship theories as opposed to intimidation, um, intimidation, sorry, pain, fear, or starvation. There, Sadly, that stuff still goes on. People are laying down horses, tarping them, leaving them tied out in the sun for eight hours a day to an oak tree. I mean, just sad. They ride them to exhaustion, pain. Um, they're cruel to them. It breaks my heart what horses go through. And I hope that you know that that's never okay, that there are better ways to do things. And I can't believe it still goes on in this day and age because there are so many tools at your access now via internet and YouTube and uh, cowboy channels and horse, horse magazines and videos. And there's just so many better ways to learn. So I hope that you will always think of it and those, um, you know, those theories of, you know, if a horse gives an inch for a second, reward that, you know, reward comes from when the pressure goes away and they get rested and petted. That's when they learn. Okay. They don't learn when you're putting the pressure on. They learn when they give you the right answer. So if you're asking them to do something, yield to pressure and they give immediately release and reward and they'll be like, okay, I'll do it quicker next time because now I know what you want. I understand the assignment and that's what you want your horse to know. So, um, a horse is going to opt for the easy thing, for the right thing. So the, th the idea of making the wrong thing difficult and the right thing easy is, is a good concept, but not if it's done in a cowboy way, but yet in a teaching way. So most people are going to ask, give a cue and repeat the cue until they get the right answer. Um, but again, you have to break it down into steps and in a way that they understand. But you also have to see where your horse is coming from, too. You know, horses work from their instincts. Flight mode versus thinking side of their brain. Um, pecking order, uh, you know, versus, you know, they, they don't mind maybe some horses. Some horses are more dominant than others. Some don't mind being second, but they need to know that, that they can trust you to be a good leader and a confident leader. And that's important as well for them to respect you and trust you when, you know, things get hairy out there and, and know that, that you're going to handle it and they're going to be okay. So, you know, it is important to focus on being an active leader rather than a reactive leader, um, meaning stay busy with them instead of reacting and telling them stop it, quit it, be more like go here, do this, you know, that kind of thing, staying ahead of them. It's no different than the mom in the grocery store with the little kids being horrible and they're going to get a whooping. Mom's like, oh, you're so bad. You're going to get it. And the screaming and hollering continues versus the mom that says, help me fill the grocery list, honey. You go find the mustard that looks like this and gives them a little coupon and they go look for the mustard and here mommy I found it it's it takes more work to be an active leader but it's definitely better for the horse and the child than being reactive and and giving them negative attention you know um give them that positive um stuff to do 
you know, that's always the better way to do things. Um, it's, it's no different than if you or I went to Japan and everyone was speaking in that language and we didn't know it, it would make us really hard and uncomfortable, um, to, to go through our day there just to order food or find a place that we need to go to. Um, it's the same with our horses. So they have to learn how to understand our language and we have to learn to understand their language and it's different. Um, but remember when you were a kid, did your favorite teacher yell at you all the time or were they teaching you and rewarding you and complimenting you? Which teacher do you want to be for your horse? Always keep that in mind as well. Um, any, anybody that's successful knows that practice, discipline, and repetition is key to your success. So, um, you know, if you practice wrong, they're going to learn bad habits. So it is important that you are practicing correct. For instance, if you do something wrong three times at a barrel race, uh, for instance, they, they hit a barrel three times, you've got yourself a habit now that you've developed in that horse, just like going up the fence or ducking pattern or going by a barrel. The first time I might let it go. The second time I'm going to be start asking questions. Now, why is this happening? Is it me? Is it the horse? Is there pain? Is it training? And I'll rule that out. But by the third time I've got a habit and I need to stop and, and change things. And usually slowing down and going back to basics is going to be how things are going to get fixed for you. So just keep that in mind whenever you're working with a horse. Um, again, I really believe in starting with the groundwork. And you can go back to groundwork at any point in time in your training. I think that's super important uh, to know. Um, and then, then when you do your saddle work, I like to be in just a really light bit and split reins. I like an O-ring. I like a side pull, like an S-hack or a beetle hack and some split reins. And I just like to, you know, I mean, if you have a D-ring or a full cheek or uh, whatever you like, but just a really light bit or light side pull is what I want to do my training in. You know, and as I mentioned, I like to yield the front end like a rollback. And I like to do the disengaging of the hind end or moving the hip, backing, backing circles, um, teaching that loose rein woe. Uh, you can sack out in the saddle as well. You can have uh, friends or husbands or whatever swing a rope around you while you're riding your horse or a flag or, or a slicker or something. Umbrellas. Um, getting your horse to trust you in the saddle, not to buck or bolt, but yet do a one rein stop and disengage your hindquarters and focus on a cue. Remember, whenever you're applying pressure and releasing it, watch for the, the horse processing. When you see a horse lick or chew or lower its head, it's their way to say that they're okay with this and they're understanding it and they're relaxed about it. So remember that when you're working with a horse, watch for their... Um, way of saying that they get the, they understand what's happening and they're digesting it and they're relaxed about it. You know, that's really important as well. Um, you can do more advanced exercises in your foundation, like nose in, nose out drills, like counterbending. Um, your transitions are always going to be really important uh, with your flexion and fluidity work. I would say that 80% of your rides should be based on that, just that, you know, uh, you know, 20%, maybe you'd spend on the pattern, but 80% of your rides should be spent on dry work and drills. I think that's important. I love figure eights. I love big and small circles. 
Um, I love a good woe and rollbacks. Um, you know, I'll mix it up and do transitions into a circle, you know, straight work into a circle, different sides and speeds. I like to do my up and down uh, drill where a horse really focuses on my body. So all of those things are just really important things um, that you would want to teach your horse before you ever put them on the pattern or anytime you're having a problem on the pattern, go back to basics. If you don't have control of five body parts, the face, the neck, the shoulder, the ribcage, and the hip, with your five rider cues, your eyes, your voice, your body, your hands, and your legs, and know exactly the timing of each and when to use them and how to use them, then you're going to have problems with speed on the pattern. And you're not going to want to add the pattern until you can do those things because a horse is smart and they'll be like, well, I don't know what's going on here, but she wants me to turn this thing. So when I get there, I'm just going to let my shoulder turn this barrel and I'll get around it the quickest I can. So there you begin your first bad habit on your horse turning at their shoulder. And that is why a horse needs to understand circles and, and flexion and all of that extension and collection. It's very, very important. So if you get anything from this day and this podcast is your entire career of you and your horse, you will always, always go back to basics and um, you will spend 80% of your time on that because once a horse knows the pattern, they know the pattern. They don't need to be shown the pattern, but what you do need to do is maybe spend, you know, time conditioning them connecting with them, bonding with them, and just keeping them mentally and physically fit and um, and going back to basics. So I want to thank you for tuning in for this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and got something out of it. Um, so remember to always be thankful and grateful for all of your blessings. And in hard times or times of adversity, which we all have, pray and trust God and trust that God will see you through it. In competition, as in life, Try to not overthink it. Clear your mind with deep breaths. Trust in your preparation and trust your horse. Be in the moment and ride with heart. God bless you guys and thank you again for tuning in.